Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm joined today by my handsome husband and co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, my beautiful love, and hello to all you cat fans out there in the big cat world. So, today's topic is resource insecurities. So, is that like having financial insecurities? Well, (laughs) yeah, because... You know, if we don't perceive ourselves to have the resources we need to survive, then we feel insecure. And what do we typically do when we feel insecure? Well, you know, I I, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, sometimes I pull back. I, you know, go hide somewhere. I, I don't interact with people and or I can be aggressive. You yeah. know, not, not aggressive physically, but just, you know, kind of snappy and you know just out of sorts yeah definitely i mean people get panicky they get you know you feel a little desperate you might start to feel jealous you know definitely cranky um overly critical you know of other people that's really common when people are insecure because you know you try to portray yourself as overly confident to to make you know, to make you feel like, you know, that that you're you're dealing with the situation. And like you said, you know, you you want to be alone and you want to avoid social situations because you're not feeling safe and secure. Right. You know, I, I get that. So do cats have all those same feelings? <laughs> well, some of them, but not, not all of them. But you get the idea. You get the idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I get the idea. But I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, think that they would have all of that since cats don't have money. What do they, con- I mean, what are they usually considered to be important resources? Well, since they can't hunt for themselves, a reliable food source is probably their most important resource. And that's not only, um, that. I mean, that includes the type of food that you're feeding how frequently they're getting fed, who feeds them, that kind of thing. Another important resource for cats is a place to eliminate comfortably. You know, they, they've they got to feel secure that they've got a, a safe, comfortable place to go to the bathroom. Um, social bonds are considered resources for cats, you know, between people and other cats. You know, playtime, toys, comfortable places to sleep, scratching posts, you know, and and space in general, by the way. They they consider, you know, how much space they have as a net, you know, as a as a resource. And I, I think in this case you could define for a cat a resource would be anything that enables them to express their natural behaviors. That's a that's a resource, well, you know, not money. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, all those things you mentioned is the same list of things that I would consider resources for myself also. 
So well, why do cats become insecure about these things? Well, change is a is a big thing. You know, cats really rely on things being, you know, predictable and routine. So if something changes, they're going to feel insecure. If they don't feel like there's enough to go around, you know, that that's common. People go, well, what? I mean, you know. My cat was raised with another cat, so it's not like only child syndrome. But you got to remember that the species is a solitary species. You know, they evolved by themselves, not in packs or with social hierarchies. So they're solitary. So they really are kind of like an only child, even if they've been raised with other cats, because they, you know, they they are used to having in their environment just themselves so by nature they probably don't share very well you know that sounds a lot like issues that happens with mostly multi-cat households yeah that's that's true that's true but an only cat you know still needs things but they usually make do with one of everything you know but one of the most important things you can do when you get a new cat or if your cats are fighting is to take inventory of all of the resources you have and make sure that they are both plentiful and attractive to the cats. So does that mean the key to happiness is having more than one cat in, in all things? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's certainly uh, a start having, you know, multiple resources is a good foundation for intercat happiness, you know, like um, specifically for, for litter, you know, like look at it this way. Take us, if we stay in a hotel and there's only one bathroom, you know, that's hard on us. Cause when we wake up, we wake up at the same time. We both get out of bed, we make the bed and then we immediately go to the bathroom. Well, if there's only one, then that kind of presents a problem. Somebody's standing around, bouncing around, waiting for you to get out of the bathroom. So, you know, that that can also work with more than one cat. You know, you want to make sure that you have enough litter boxes, more than one per numbers of cat, right? Because we don't want one cat to be able to block them. They need to be strategically placed in the home. You know, I went to this, this consultation once in this family, very nice home, North Dallas, and they had two cats. And they said uh, one of their cats, the female, had started peeing in their closet, and they'd taken her to the vet. She didn't have any medical issues, and, you know, could I help with what was going on? So I go in, and both of the cats come over like they typically do and smell in my bag and, you know, meet me and that kind of thing. Very social cats. And, um, and their litter box set up, they had, I mean, great for people. This was a cool idea for people, but they had a doorway that that went out went into a hallway that led to the garage all right so there was this and there were storage cabinets in this hallway and they had converted the bottom storage cabinets into their litter box cubbies and then cut cat doors into the the cabinet door so i mean far as people are concerned you know it's in this hallway out of the main house it's in a cabinet don't have to see it not to smell so, you know, in course in taking inventory of resources, as I typically do on consults, I went and looked at that. And then while we're sitting there talking, you know, the, the 
the male cat was laying across the living room floor, just laying there. And the female cat came up and I could tell by the body language, she was uncomfortable to go around him. Her head was low. Her tail was low. Her tail started to twitch when she got within about four feet of this cat and her head got lower and she's looking at him and she decided to walk over towards us and sit down instead. And so I asked them, I said, did you, you know, did you guys notice what just happened there? He's blocking the path to the litter boxes. And it looked like she was uncomfortable to go around him. I said, do they, do they tussle? Do they play? And they're like, yeah, they play. You know, she'll walk around and he'll reach out and grab her and play with her. Well, she clearly may not be comfortable with that, especially if she's on her way to the bathroom. And so the way that we fixed this, very simply fixed this, was to get those litter boxes out of that wonderful compartment and put them throughout the house so that he couldn't block them. Fix the problem right away. So it's real important when there are resources that they be spread out around the house when you have more than one cat. You know, that's interesting because um, both, well, not always as much of going to the bathroom, but coming out of the bathroom, Pico often will, you know, be right in front of me and kind of block me. And, you know, oftentimes when I'm in the bathroom, he actually opens the door. He reaches up <laughs> and grabs the handle. You of know, course. It's he's saying, of he's saying, hurry up, daddy. Hurry up in there. Feed me. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> yeah. We got one of those flat handles that stick out, not a round knob. And he reaches up and he has figured out how to pull that down and open the door. And he just kind of opens the door, <laughs> sticks his little head in, and you know, and then he'll decide he backs up and then he comes back in and then he rubs around and says, Come on, come on. And then he blocks my path, you know, to, to feeding because he wants petted or something, you know. So he rolls over on the floor. So. Yeah, I, I understand the whole, you know, thing with blocking and, and interactions. And stuff. <laughs> what about food? How do cats have insecurities about food? Well, if, you know, history and genetics can play a role in, in food insecurities, like, um, you know, if they came from the streets and there was never enough food and they were having to fight other cats for food and things like that, they can get real insecurities about food. So, you know, it's it's important many aspects as far as from a resource standpoint. You need to be feeding a species appropriate food so they're getting the nutrition that they need. You know, just like us, they get cranky when they don't, you know, get enough nutrition, the right kind of nutrition. And they get cranky when they don't get enough food because, you know, they're hungry. And, and you know, you think, well, that makes sense then to just free feed the cat. And that way it can just eat when it wants. And, yeah, logically that makes sense. But when you're feeding dry food, it's full of a lot more carbohydrates than cats need or can even process. So it's much better if you feed meals of fresh, wet high protein food because that's more like how they eat in the wild you know there's no free feeding in the wild you know <clears throat> they gotta work and they gotta hunt to get a meal in the wild and they don't eat constantly they're eating opportunistically you also should feed them apart you know we say a minimum of two feet apart but it's better to feed them where they really can't see each other and if you have one 
cat that really gobbles up the food and then goes and, you know, butts the other cat out of the way. Well, there are microchip operated, you know, feeding bowls, feeding stations that open up when only that cat's microchip comes comes under it. Um, there's things like that. Feed them in separate rooms. If you have to close one in a room, that helps them to make them feel more secure because there's nothing natural about sharing prey. They are not a species that hunts together. We watch these lion shows and we think, oh, all the lions go out and hunt together. So that's what our cats must have done in the wild. Well, that's not at all. This is a different lineage of cats and, and they don't, they're, they're not social like that. They're solitary. So they don't hunt together. They don't share prey. So feeding them apart is extremely important because they just don't share well in general. You know, and I think food puzzles are particularly useful and, and help. You know, um, we got in, Vitacraft has come out with this new, really adorable, by the way, treat puzzle. It's, it's pink and it's bowl shaped and it's weighted on the bottom so it doesn't tip over. And it really helps your cat learn that it has to stick its paw in there and scoop treats out in order to get them. And that's very stimulating, right? It gives them the opportunity to forage and hunt. And they need mental stimulation so they don't get bored, you know, like us. I mean, they say that, you know, boredom and lack of mental stimulation can result in about 30% of brain loss. So it's important to keep them stimulated. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to touch base on, you know, something that you've pointed out about um, feeding wet food versus the leaving constant dry food out for them to eat anytime. And I've noticed um, as we've gone to different people's homes, we notice their cat, you know, being heavy and being Pico's age and thinking, wow, they must really feed, you know, leave out food for them. And they do. That's typically yeah. the difference. And you could tell the difference between that cat and cat that is fed the diet that you talk about. And I don't know anything, but I can sure tell the difference in that since I've kind of. Yeah, you can see it because, you know, protein, I mean, they're obligate carnivores, so they need little more than just protein and and water. You know, now that doesn't mean just feed them your chicken breasts out of the refrigerator because they need, you know, nutrients that come from bones and organs and things like that. But um, I mean, yeah, you can see a carb body versus a lean muscle body in a cat's diet easily and and we do you're right we see that a lot in cats yeah it's just amazing that you can you can definitely see it so what about beds toys and things like that do we just make sure to have lots of scattered around i mean i know that pico does a good job of scattering his own toys everywhere (laughs) And, and he's got four boxes of toys and you know I, I remember when the kids were young and having a big toy box for them, and the cat has several toy boxes, and he scatters them around everywhere. We just can't figure out how to get him to put them all back. <laughs> right. That's, that's something we need to click or train him to do next. <laughs> yeah. <I bet. laughs> but, yeah, you're get, you're absolutely getting the idea. You know, they need to have more than one of everything than numbers of cats right and they and they got to be you got to make them all popular spots because you don't want them fighting over the one, one sunny spot you know where the bed is in the sunshine in the afternoon when they like to sleep and there's only one of those spots you know you you've got to try to make 
multiples, you know, like spots near you. Make make beds where, you know, they can be near you while you're doing whatever you're doing in your home. You know, I have a bed right here by my desk. I have a tall uh, filing cabinet and there's a bed on top of it and there's a bed on another table in my office. So he has multiple beds to choose from and he sleeps in both of them, depending on his mood, I guess. So <laughs> if you don't want him fighting over stuff, then there's there's got to be an abundance of things. And, and you know, when we're talking about location, scratching posts are one of the more important things to, you know, strategically place because it's natural that cats will in a multi-cat household they they scratch because scratching is a territorial gesture they have scent glands between their toes and they scratch and it leaves visible marks and they want other cats in the home and other cats that might be outside to see this is my territory this is my space i'm claiming it by scratching on it so put scratching posts near things that they really like you know, and they'll tend to scratch on it. I used to have a scratching post here at the end of my desk because he would come in and as an attention-seeking behavior, rub up on my ankles and then start scratching on my leg like it was a scratching post. So I put a post there to redirect that behavior and it worked. And um, he isn't doing, he isn't really using it much anymore. In fact, I might bring it into your office because I know he's, he's, you know, bugging you. But, you know, the other thing, Prey play time is very, very, very important. You know, they're they're in a house. They don't have opportunities to hunt. In the wild, they're going to be hunting six hours a day. So when they're in home, you know, you've got to prey play. Now, that doesn't mean that's a group sport because, like I just said, they don't hunt together. So if you start to prey play with a wand toy with your cats and two or three of them come up and then, you know, a couple of them get bullied out of the play then, you know, you need to sequester them for, for play. Yeah, you do need to just take one into a bedroom, pray, pray, play with it for a while, and then go play with the others. You know, and, it, and also to expand space, because cats need a lot of space, and we typically don't give them as much as they need. So to expand space, think about going vertical, right? Make, make steps out of shelving and put beds on on walls and it, with multiple cats it's just very important that you have two escape routes so a set of steps going up and maybe some long shelves with some resources and cool stuff on it and steps going up to more shelves and then steps going down so that nobody can get trapped up there because if, if they you know if they feel like there's any space like a covered litter box or vertical space or the top of a cat tree where there's no two exit routes, then that can cause insecurity. So it's important that your resources be set up in a secure manner. Uh, I would think that, you know, you, you need to consider a lot of things when, you know, having a cat and what to do with cats. And, and I know that for Pico, he's got the scratching posts, he's got the beds everywhere, he's got the multiple cats, he's got an outdoor catio, he's got the toy boxes, he's got the climb up the wall and sleep up on the top shelf kind of thing. He's, he has everything. No wonder he doesn't want to leave here. <laughs> no wonder he runs or hides under the bed when we want to go travel and he has to get in a car and then think about going someplace else he loves his little world yep he does we've tried to make it the best cat world he could possibly have 
Yeah, I don't blame him a bit. If we could just figure out how to get him fed, then he would be in his perfect little world. <laughs> He'd still miss us, but yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, tell everyone out there that if you have any other questions or if you have a podcast suggestion you'd like to talk to Molly about, send her an email. She'd love to get the email to get the email and talk to you a little bit about it and maybe even turn it into a podcast. You can reach her at Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at cattalkradio.com. I also want to invite you to help support the work that we do here. We provide this podcast and other resources for free. And many of many of the things, of the many things that Molly actually does is she works for behavior, uh, she works with behavior cases that are low-income cat parents. Yep, and and I do. If you can't afford a consult, we have a um, a monthly sponsor for one consult a month. So if you can't afford a behavior consultation, then please just reach out, tell me your circumstances, and we'll see if you can qualify for that grant because um, we want you to get the help that you need, which is why we do these podcasts. And so if you've gotten something out of one of these podcasts, you know, just any kind of little tip that's making your cat world better – feel free to give us a, a little gratuity donation, just like you do when you go out to eat. Give us a little donation. And it's easy to do. You just go to our store at catbehaviorsolutions.org and you'll find the behavior boutique. And down at the bottom, past all the toys and treats and stuff like that, there are different donation amounts. You can just put in your cart and check out with your credit card like you would in any other store. So it's great. You know, and while you're in there, go ahead and shop around in the store and look at some of those cool toys that you might mm-hmm. want to share with your kitty. Multiply uh, your cat's resources in our store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's some treats and things like that that they can purchase. Oh, absolutely. So, and 100% of those proceeds, you know, goes towards the nonprofit. That is fantastic. And thank you for that, Molly. Uh, but, you know, this is an all-volunteer-based podcast. And, you know, we want to keep doing this and increasing the bond between you and your cat. You know, the one the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, go out there and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we're going to keep doing what we're doing as long as shelter Shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death death in cats. cats. Until next time, everybody, keep calm and purr on. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. 
Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.